0: Hello and welcome to Sports Talk on a Budget. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in Southern California. I hope you all out there enjoying your summer. My name is Cody. I'll be your host as always. And I'm just moving into some of the topics that we're going to talk about today on the show. Starting with NBA free agency that started last week. Going to go over the winners and losers and who I believe obviously won and lost the free agency period so far. Moving on to the biggest news of sports last week. And that was Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona and then obviously another another huge news in sports as well is the uh, Tokyo Olympics coming to a close. Go over some of the top storylines and go over how the U.S. did finish strong in their medal count as well. And then finally, last topic of the day is, is uh, NFL preseason got underway Thursday night with the Hall of Fame game between Pittsburgh and Dallas. And uh, the Steelers end up beating Dallas in that game and other preseason games will get started next, this week here and um, obviously the NFL season is here and we're about three weeks from about three or four weeks from the start of the actual season as well. Alright, let's go ahead and get into it. So like I said earlier, the first topic of the day is going to be NBA free agency. Obviously a lot of big moves, a lot of uh, interesting moves, a lot of players that are just average players maybe get a little overpaid, but that seems to happen a lot in the NFL and the NBA as well. But um, like I said, I'm going to go over some of the teams that I thought were winners and um, some of the teams I thought were losers of the overall free agency. Starting off with the winners, I think the Miami Heat were the biggest winners of free agency, signing point guard Kyle Lowry and pj tucker who just came off of a world championship with the milwaukee bucks huge signings there i mean kyle larry kind of shores up that point guard spot for them and it's another leader and veteran leader on the floor with plenty of playoff experience obviously the championship back in 2019 that he won along with Kawhi leonard uh, with with the toronto raptors so he brings a lot of veteran leadership it's better overall point guard than what they had with Goran on and he'll um, definitely help guys like uh, Jimmy Butler with the leadership on the floor and then obviously even P.J. Tucker not the best scoring big but just the physical strong big he just fits the culture that um, Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler have set down there of just that tough physical gritty culture and then obviously even Kyle Lowry fits that as well I think those are two huge signings and I think that that could make them maybe the second or third best team in the East behind Milwaukee and Brooklyn respectively. I think that puts them past potentially Philadelphia seeing what they do with Ben Simmons this offseason. My other big winner of the NBA free agency was kind of a shocker and I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this team being as aggressive as I thought they uh, as they has they have been and that's the Chicago Bulls. I mean, Huge signings. They do a sign and trade with the San Antonio Spurs to get DeMar DeRozan. Huge pickup there. They end up signing Lonzo Ball who could be a he was turned into an above-average point guard in this league, and then a great bench signing for them, Alex Caruso, a good guy off the bench, a good locker room guy, just a good all-around guy, as you could see that his teammates and uh, and uh, coaches loved him and as a in the Lakers organization. So just a couple of huge signings there, and if you look at their potential starting lineup with Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, and whatever happens with Laurie Markinin—that's that's that's a pretty darn good starting lineup, and that could definitely be a top five seed in the East, and they be, may be able to make some noise there, and uh, definitely bring back some fun basketball to the city of Chicago, which has obviously been starving for that for a very long time since the days of D Rose and um, others others there as well. Now we got to move on to the losers, and obviously, as a Boston sports fan, I don't like. To, br- to bring up the Celtics in any negative way but I believe that they're definitely one of the losers of the NBA free agency so far and why I say this is it seems to be the same old story whether you know it was Danny Ainge and now it's Bradley Stevens in the GM, President of Basketball Operations role and it's, oh, they're in on this guy, they're in on this guy they're in on Kyle Lowry, they don't get him they're in on, you, you, know, you name it and they just don't end up getting him they're on DeMar DeRozan, no they're in on this guy. No, they just don't get it, and that just seems to be the case. They make a couple of interesting trades. Get uh, Chris Dunn and Josh Richardson ends up coming over from Dallas, and Chris Dunn comes over from Washington interesting pickups they'll be bench players role players i think uh, josh richardson could be a contributing player for them but they really still haven't addressed the point guard position now there is reports that they're interested in dennis Schroder, so that could be a pickup that that would kind of solidify their point guard situation and maybe get them out of the loser hole for the free agency so far but they also haven't really addressed the big man there's the size element the big man element for their team I mean yeah you got Robert Williams who's starting to get better and better as the years go on as a young big man and then now all of a sudden you got Al Horford but Al Horford's gonna be what 37 38 years old he's an older player now you can't rely on him to play 30 plus minutes a night and you're not going to be able to play small ball against teams like Milwaukee with Giannis a team like Even like Miami with Bam Adebayo, a a team like Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, you can't just play small ball like that and expect to win. So I don't love what they've done so far. Obviously, if they can get Schroeder and maybe a big, that would kind of solidify things and make them get them out of the loser category. But as of right now, I think they are losers of the uh, NBA free agency so far. And that moves me to my other uh, team, that I believe, is a loser of the NBA free agency, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, the New Orleans Pelicans are kind of in a weird spot they're they're trying to build their team around zion williamson who's an interesting player he's kind of a hybrid big he handles the ball a lot kind of like a more modern day lebron james when he was younger can shoot okay but just a physical guy that likes to take it down low and score that way and i understand that that maybe wasn't a huge fit with lonzo ball and eric bledsoe because they like to handle the ball being um, straight up point guards and maybe that was not a great fit with them and zion williamson so that's why they had to move on from those guys but you lose Obviously, like I said, Lonzo Ball, you lose Eric Bledsoe, you lose Steven Adams. And the only really significant pickup you get was in that trade with Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe. You got Jonas Valanciunas back. I do like that move. I believe he is an upgrade over Steven Adams at the big man position, at the center position, or basically power forward as well. I do think that is an upgrade over Steven Adams. But if that's your only move of significance in the offseason, and you're trying to keep Zion Williamson in the next couple of years before he becomes a free agent and can go to another team that's not enough it's definitely not enough and um you lose three above average players in adams bledsoe and ball i know they weren't great fits but you should be able to get a better return from those three players that they end up getting and just just didn't do that and we'll see if they can find a couple of pieces to put around zion williamson so they can get in the playoffs and be a decent enough team to make him want to stay and not leave somewhere else in free agency when he is up in a couple of years. One other team I wanted to talk about, and obviously everybody's been talking about their free agency moves, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, obviously, huge trade to get Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's that's a huge move, and that was obviously like a blockbuster move. Everybody was talking about that on draft night. And I like the move. I don't know if he exactly fits because him and um him and LeBron James are going to want to handle the ball in crunch time a lot he kind of has that all out 100% attitude and I don't know if that's really what the rest of the roster speaks to and um, between him Anthony Davis and LeBron James I believe one of them is probably going to have to take a step back and maybe not take as much of a role as they have had throughout their career because there's like, just not enough ball to go around there and will LeBron maybe take a step back and let Westbrook handle the ball in crunch time, even though LeBron's probably better at handling the ball in crunch time because Westbrook can get a little erratic and have some turnovers. But he's comfortable, and he's played his entire career with the ball in his hand in crunch time, whether it was in OKC, in Houston, or even in um in Washington as well. So that'll be an interesting dynamic to see if they can figure that out there. I do like that move because Russell Westbrook is a guy I think who's hungry to compete for a championship and definitely wants to do it and he's a LA guy. He went to UCLA, he grew up in Los Angeles, so he's going to be he's going to be hungry to want to compete for a championship as a Laker as well. As far as their other moves, I just I they're just head scratchers to me. I feel like they're signing a lot of older players you get a you get a guy like Russell Westbrook. Yes, he's in his thirties now, but he still has the energy of a twenty-five-year-old player. He's tenacious. He's just a hundred percent every night. And then you get a bunch of old role players around him, like a Dwight Howard, who's gonna who's gonna be over thirty-five, a Carmelo Anthony, who's gonna be older than that as well, Wayne Ellington, who's in his thirties. All these guys that they're signing is just it's just a little bit weird to me because they're all solid players and they've all been solid players in their own right, but they're all getting old and what this says to me is you're not going to be able to count on them for a lot of minutes throughout the season so you're going to have you're going to have to ask maybe lebron to be playing 35 35 plus minutes at 37 years old in his 18th, 19th season you'll be asking anthony davis to play 35 plus minutes and you know that anthony davis even though he's on and he's in his late 20s still is just a brittle injury prone player so I would have thought they would have tried to get more young players who have a little more energy, can play more minutes than some of these old players. So just a weird dynamic there. I don't really know if they got that much better this offseason than they were, but um, I guess time will only tell and we'll see how it goes with them in going into the regular season. All right, now moving on to what I thought was the biggest sports news of the week, or at least the biggest international sports news of the week. And that was Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona and um, obviously not re-signing there. And it looks like he will be signing. At least reports show this morning that he's he's expected to sign with PSG Paris Saint-Germain of the French League. And that would be huge, obviously, with him, Neymar, Killing Mbappe on that team. They already own the French League. They'll probably own the French League again. And then it will definitely be one of the top contenders going into a Champions League as well. But just looking back there obviously what came down what it came down to for Lionel Messi is Barcelona just couldn't afford him anymore obviously with the pandemic and the loss of revenue for fans and the stands and everything that's happened for them obviously they just couldn't afford uh, Lionel Messi anymore he did say this morning in his press conference which was a very emotional press conference if you had a chance to watch that he did offer to cut his salary in half but even his salary in half which is his his salary is along with him with Ronaldo were like the biggest sports salaries out there and it's just still too much money for them to kind of give him at this moment with the financial disparity that they've had in the last year so just still too much for Barcelona at that point but I thought that was a nice gesture of Messi to offer to cut his salary in half and shows that he did want to stay a part of the club and didn't want to stay a part of the team and that is the team that he wanted to end his career with or at least maybe um, stay for a couple more years before he kind of goes into the twilight of his career but i mean shoot end of an era there definitely an end of a legendary era obviously messi has been the best player in the world or second best i guess if you ask some ronaldo fans but at least one of the two best players in the world for the last decade or more unbelievable stats with with barcelona 672 goals 34 team trophies six valendor trophies which is basically the MV, which is basically the best player in the world trophy i mean just unbelievable stats and an unbelievable run that he had there and probably one of the best runs that any single player has had with the team in sports history not just soccer history all sports whether it's the sports here in america international sports basically any sport you can think of that is definitely one of the best runs that anybody has had with a team with a single team anytime, all time as well. And um, he'll leave a lasting legacy there. We'll see what happens to Barcelona going forward and if um, they're able to recover and maybe get some younger players at a cheaper price but still contend as a team. But um, obviously, best wishes to uh, Lionel Messi. It looks like, like I said earlier, he is going to sign with PSG and they'll create basically a super team or a power team there in the French League and will definitely be a team that's going to contend For a Champions League title for years to come as well, because that's, I mean, you have three of the top 10 players in the world potentially on the same team. That'll be a tough team to stop, but like I said, uh, best of luck to Messi. Crazy news, like I said, end of an era there. Not a huge soccer fan, but I know a lot. I know enough to know that he is an iconic, unbelievable, legendary player, leaving just a legendary program there after a legendary run as well so um, best of luck to him and uh looks like he's going to be in for more trophies and more wins in uh, psg as well okay and moving on to my third topic of the day and obviously the other big news in international sports and that is the end of the 2020 basically obviously 2021 tokyo olympics in the u.s ending with a very strong finish basically the entire olympic games we were trailing china in the gold medal category always had the lead in the overall medal category basically after like the third day we always had the lead in the overall medal category but always trailing china in the gold medal category and it took all the way till basically the last day yesterday to edge out china 39 to 38 in the gold medal count and just some of the big performances down the stretch that led for the u.s to get past that Obviously, both men's and women's basketball teams winning gold, women's volleyball winning gold, women's beach volley winning gold, Nelly Cordo winning the gold for um, for the women's golf competition, multiple uh, multiple um, golds in the track and field events, and also a ton of golds in the wrestling events as well. So the um, the US ended and finished this Tokyo Olympics very strong and showed that we still are, the best athletic country and still have the best athletes in the world in these events and um, just like I said some huge a huge finish for the U.S. to kind of edge out China there get the overall medal count victory and get the gold medal count victory as well we also led in the most silvers and I believe the most bronze as well so great performance at the end here by the U.S. in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and Hopefully we can continue that momentum into the next one. I have no doubt that we can, but some other great storylines, obviously going into this Tokyo Games, a lot of talk was about COVID and no fans being there and if it would be a huge factor. And yeah, obviously it did play a role in a lot of the Olympic events, but for the most part, this Olympic event still went off with great stories, great moments, and just unbelievable things to see. I mean, if you're just looking at the U.S. side, whether it's, lydia jacoby from alaska coming in to win that swimming final there and you could see her family back in alaska just going nuts and then you move on to caleb dressel another olympic swimmer who just dominated every event that he was in and shows that we have maybe another young olympic swimmer to rally behind like we've had in the past with michael phelps and ryan lochte and guys like that so that was huge to see as well the whole simone Bio situation Uh, with how she was dealing with the mental health but did eventually come back and do um her last event on the um on the balance beam and getting a bronze medal so still able to medal after all of the turmoil and stuff that she has been through for the weeks to come to still medal in that individual competition was a great story and then you have uh, tamara mensah in olympic wrestling and being the first black woman first uh, black woman to win an Olympic gold in a wrestling event and she was just ecstatic very patriotic about everything she loved that she was representing the U.S. and was just wearing the flag and in tears and it was just a great moment and story for the Olympics of for the U.S. just like I said just an unbelievable moment there and uh, she had an unbelievable performance as well and then even Suni Lee I mean obviously dealing with all the turmoil with all the um With everything going on with Simone Biles, kind of always obviously being in her shadow as well. Being one of the first from her culture to represent a U.S. team as well. And then she goes out there and she gets the gold in the all-around competition. And she is able to kind of put her name out there on her own. Get out of the shadows of some of the um, past players, especially Biles as well. And put her name out there and get a gold as well. So that that was awesome to see. The basketball team, the the men's basketball team, obviously struggled early on with a loss to France and a couple of losses in the exhibitions leading up to the games, but still ended up getting a gold and turning it on when they need to and getting the gold medal. And then if you move over to the women's basketball team, their fifth straight or their seventh straight gold medal. And then if you look at Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, five gold medals in a row. I mean, that's that's unprecedented as a player. So unbelievable performances there in the women's basketball team. No one likes to talk about it, but it's probably the most dominating team that we send to the Olympics. I mean, seven straight gold medals. That's that's just unreal and unbelievable. So good on them. And congratulations to them. And obviously, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi as well. And then Allison Felix getting her 10th gold medal in her fifth Olympic Games. That was an unbelievable story. She's been obviously competing in the Olympics since 2000. I believe that was in Athens and she's still doing it and still able to medal in an event, which is unreal. She's, she's racing, she's in her mid thirties racing against young 20 year olds, fresh out of college or kids that are maybe still in college as well. And she's able to at least, at least medal and get that bronze medal. That's an unbelievable performance, 10 medals. She ties with a uh, Carl Lewis for the most Olympic medals by a track and field athlete all time for a u.s olympian that's impressive and what an incredible moment and story for her so like i said even though a lot of the talk going into this olympic games was about covid and the pandemic and all these things still great games still great stories and great moments for some of these great athletes here and just an unbelievable run in this 2020 2021 olympic games and i really hope that we can um have that same result. Obviously, in 2022, we'll have the Winter Olympic Games. So, hopefully, we can have maybe a little bit less COVID conversation and more just about the Olympics. But either way, I enjoyed watching the Olympics and some great stories and some great moments as well. Alright, now moving to the final topic of the show today, and that is the NFL preseason is now underway. Obviously, it got started on Thursday with the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Dallas Cowboys. The Pittsburgh Steelers winning that game in the Hall of of Fame game and all the festivities going on with the Hall of Fame, both the 2020 and 2021 classes going in. Big notable names like Peyton Manning, Troy Polamalu, Isaac Bruce, Calvin Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cowher, just some huge names going into the Hall of Fame. Edger and James going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And I've been able to watch a lot of those um, speeches and a lot of the enshrinement um, on the um, NFL Network. And it's been awesome. But to get back to the actual action... And like I said, we started on Thursday with the Steelers beating the Cowboys, and a lot of teams will end up playing their first preseason game starting this week. And some of the big storylines going into it is similar to a lot of the storylines going into training camp that I covered a couple weeks ago. And one of the big ones here is obviously going to be the quarterback competition. So you can kind of separate yourself in training camp but these preseason games are really what's going to be able to separate some of these quarterback competitions and a lot of them is rookies versus veterans and that's the case with new england with mac jones versus cam newton both of them have had up and down camps but let's see if they can go into the um into preseason and one of them kind of separate themselves i think cam newton is going to start a little bit ahead just being the veteran it seems like he has uh Bill Belichick supports so it looks like he's gonna start a little bit ahead of the competition. But if Mac Jones can go out there and have impressive showings in preseason, maybe he could still win the job as well. And then that moves us obviously to New Orleans, where we have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill competition. So that's not really a rookie versus veteran, they're both veterans, but um looks like uh, Jameis Winston has a better camp, has had a better camp so far and still kind of has the leg up in the competition, be it the more natural quarterback versus Taysom Hill, which is more of the gadget quarterback but um, still see who's going to have the better showing in preseason and if someone can separate themselves and take that job as well. Obviously, that's going to move us over to Chicago and Justin Fields versus Andy Dalton. So that's another rookie versus veteran competition. Justin Fields, is, by all reports, has had a good training camp so far. Obviously, um, so is Andy Dalton coming from the reports from Chicago as well. So no one has really been able to separate themselves in Chicago and kind of pick up that role that's what preseason is going to show like i said i believe uh Andy Dalton will go put a little bit of a leg up since he is a veteran there but this is his first year with the team so we'll see if um, that makes a difference but uh i will see if some, one of these guys is able to separate themselves in preseason also and then a couple other qb competitions and one that i thought was a surprise that i wasn't exactly expected to be a competition at least in tr- in training camp and in the preseason. One is Denver versus uh, Drew Locke versus Teddy Bridgewater. Not a shock there. I think Teddy Bridgewater probably wins that battle. It looks like he's been having a better camp, but they'll definitely have to have um, impressive preseasons to kind of separate themselves there. And then the most surprising, I think, right now, as far as QB competitions, is the San Francisco 49ers. I I thought that this would be Jimmy Garoppolo's job, at least to start the season, and then if he got injured or struggled, then Trey Lance can maybe come in. But all reports coming out of San Francisco is that Trey Lance has been having an amazing, awesome training camp and has made this a quarterback competition. And didn't really, and a lot of the teammates and coaches didn't expect it to be a quarterback competition in the off in this uh, training camp and preseason. But he's definitely made it a competition, and obviously he's the future of the organization. So. If he's going to go ahead and separate himself in preseason, I don't think Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers organization are going to have a problem with um, just just going ahead and giving him the job and maybe moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo and seeing what they can get from him and maybe a trade. But yeah, we'll see. Like I said, a surprise quarterback competition there. But if Trey Lance continues to come on, I believe that it may be his job because he is the future of the franchise being the third overall pick of the 49ers there. So yeah, that'll be those will be huge storylines there. Those quarterback competitions, and if one of, if one of those guys in those competitions can separate themselves in preseason, another huge story in staying at the quarterback position is in Indianapolis. So I'm sure as all of you heard, Carson Wentz had to have leg surgery and is gonna be out five to twelve weeks. So maximum he could miss the first four to five weeks of the NFL regular season. So what is Indianapolis gonna do at the quarterback position? Currently right now on their roster they have Jacob Eason, second year quarterback, and Sam Ellinger out of Texas, who is a rookie quarterback this year, as their two quarterbacks on their roster. Do they go out and pick up a Nick Foles? Do they call and maybe talk about trading for potential veteran quarterback? Nick Foles I might stay away from just because the dynamic between him and Carson Wentz didn't exactly work in philadelphia i don't know if you want to bring that whole situation back to annapolis again but or do they just roll with jacob eason second year quarterback out of washington kind of um someone that people thought may be able to have a, a decent nfl career but hasn't seen enough from him so do they roll with that they have a brutal beginning schedule and they start with um, i believe two teams in the nfc west i believe they start with the rams and the seahawks and then they end up playing i believe arizona somewhere in there as well and uh so brutal start to their schedule and uh they may be getting off to a one and four two and three or oh and five start but it's talented team there, well coached team see if they can kind of shake off that rust when carson wentz comes back and uh, get back on track but a huge question mark going into the season and uh We'll see how it goes and see if they who if they decide to go with what, two of the one of the young guys or go and find a veteran quarterback for the time being to kind of fill in that spot until Carson Wentz comes back. And then another huge story, which kind of dropped at the Hall of Fame game, dropped by Jay Glazer, and that's a uh, apparently in, in Dallas, Dak Prescott is having shoulder issues, and um, they're not sure if he's going to be ready for Week One of the season. Now, obviously, as a quarterback, just like if you're like a pitcher in Major League Baseball, shoulder issues are the last thing you want to have because that's the most the most important part that you're going to need to be able to, to be a quarterback and to throw the football. So he's coming off the uh, the ankle injury last year, just got the huge contract, and now he's having a shoulder injury or potential shoulder injury. And reports are saying that he may not be ready for week one and what's going to go on there and uh, obviously they definitely if you watched any of the Hall of Fame game with some of their backup quarterbacks it was like a Ben DiNucci, Chris uh, Cooper Rush they don't really have a solid backup quarterback so they obviously need to make sure that Dak Prescott's out there especially after you just paid him a ton of money as well so that is another huge storyline see if he gets any preseason action and see if he's actually ready to go for week one as well my guess is he probably won't play much preseason if his shoulder is bothering him that much but I'd like to see him get out there a little bit see what he can do in the preseason and see if he's actually ready to go for week one as well. So um, like I said, some, those are some of the huge storylines going into the NFL preseason, about four weeks away from the regular season and definitely um, in that area where we're ready for some, uh, some NFL football and um, I'm definitely ready for it as well. In fact, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a fantasy football preview on the show as well. So yeah, it's definitely a uh, football season and I'm here for it and I love it and I can't wait for it as well. And, um, with that being said, that is our show today. I got, this is Cody with sports talk on a budget. Please um, go and follow us, go and follow my page on either Instagram or Facebook. And then obviously you can listen on Spotify, Buzzsprout, Amazon music, and Apple podcasts, all under the name of sports talk on a budget. But thank you for listening today and have a great day.